And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I will not, sir, partake <laughs> in this kind of absolute denigration. I won't do it. Yeah, Gabe. Welcome to today's episode of What Did I Miss? It's a man who needs no introduction, a man who has made us all cry at least once or 300 times in our sports watching lives. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Tom Rinaldi. Oh my God, it's finally happening. You're here. Beetle, toughen up on the crying comment. Toughen up. Let's go. It's the hormones. I'm getting older. It's a mess. Understood. <laughs> so, Understood. I'm so happy you're here. I, I want to get to Wesley immediately. But obviously this week, couple legends, actually, we've lost in both Bill Russell and Vince Scully. And I, I just wanted to, before we started, ask you if you had any stories or memories that you wanted to share. Had an opportunity to interview Bill Russell, what has to be 20 years ago, Michelle. And when people often ask, hey, who's your favorite interview of all time? For many years, Bill Russell was wow. the answer that I gave. And it revolved around one anecdote that he shared when he was a young boy and he was beaten up by a schoolyard bully. This is before Russell had a huge growth spurt. And he came home <laughs> with a bloody nose and he thought he would seek refuge and solace at home with his mom. And his mom said, you need to go back outside right now, find the bully, oh, confront him, and bloody his nose. And until Damn. you do that, I don't want you coming back in the house. And at the time, Michelle, I did not have children. I, we have two kids now. And it was just, I was so struck by it. I carried it with me for such a long time. And sure enough, Bill Russell did that. And he wow. came, and then he went on to talk about the, the value of that story, at least for him. Uh, and who could forget the cackle and everything else? I mean, his career oh. is just amazing. And Vin Scully, it means something special because my brother, who is probably the reason I'm in this business, went to Fordham, worked mm. at WFUV, where Vin got his start and got his launch. And uh, because if people have never seen it, there are a handful of moments that Vin was on the air for that happened when national news occurred. And to me, those are worth watching as much or even more than any hmm. call in any game. Certainly one of them is the passing of John Wooden. And if you Google it, Vin Scully, John Wooden, it's absolutely amazing. I will. I, I mean, 67 years he did that job. That is, blows my mind when you think about how big a career that is at one place. Yeah, it's been a week. We, we, it seems like we lose them in, uh, in pairs or, or triplets, but, um, but both lives were celebrating. Not, not too much sadness. Celebrate. They were amazing lives. Uh, but I want to talk about Wesley. Okay. I started it. Eight-part series. It's a story of, well, tell everyone, because I, you know, 
I love this kind of stuff. And I had no idea that this story even existed or had happened. So let me begin by asking you, sort of casting you as the one woman focus group. How often, Beads, do you listen to episodic podcasts, to storytelling across in a serialized way? That's all I like. And I hate that because I know I don't work in that. But it's what I I love to consume the most. I like stories. I like when they're drawn out. And it's, you know, when you're walking, doing anything, it's my favorite. Why? Because, A, I learn something. And I think it's the, the best way that we learn these days. If you, if you find a subject that's worth listening to and learning, it's an amazing way to do it. People were lazy. We don't want to read, whatever. And it's just always enlightening to sort of, A, realize everything that you didn't know. And especially when it comes to sports and as much true crime or murder or anything that I am listening to or reading, this combines all of that. And I had no clue. Okay. The second question I'll ask you is, why do you think so few people know about Hmm. it? Do you? Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it happened in a time perhaps when it wasn't, we didn't publicize things like this. Now it would be all over social media within seconds. But we don't have that. We didn't have that back then. So a year prior to the launch of the four-lettered network, a year prior to maybe the the true full birth of the new the twenty-four-seven news cycle. Certainly, social media was not even a glint <laughs> in anybody's growing eye. So uh, those are some of the things. There's other circumstantial things that happened just a week later, a year later, with Thurman Munson's death, which I think all coalesced to push this to the margin or hmm. beyond in terms of awareness consciousness, even general knowledge. I think when you when you want to tell a story like this, one of the things, Michelle, that you really are drawn to is, okay, there's a second, you know, maybe a sentence and a half pitch, which you hear in every episode. In the history of Major League Baseball, there's only been one player murdered during a season, an active player. This is the story of the player, of the murder, and of what happened to the man who murdered him. That is, in, in a way, it sounds like it's evenly parsed, but I think you'll discover it's not. It's much more uh, focused on the incredible life of the man who was killed. As, right. a, as a person, as a player, then we delve very deeply into what led to the murder and then the 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 really odd and ultimately a hard way really a miscarriage of justice that happened that led to the killer going free. I know I'm into something when I listened to it. I was I think I was an episode and a half in, and I just couldn't. I was like I I have to understand what I need to know what happened. I'm like sitting around the Google going I don't want to ruin it, but I also kind of need to know. Yeah, so I'm just I'm so I can't wait to finish it. Actually. It's well, I appreciate well you. I really appreciate you diving in and uh, and listening. I, I really do. Well, what what made you do this story, by the way? So I told a story uh, originally 14 years ago at ESPN with Willie Weinbaum, a sensational producer, um, one of the most talented guys I'm, I'll ever work with, and we were drawn to it, probably Michelle, for the reason most people are: the way Lyman died. But we discovered and began to discover there was so much more about how he lived, who he was, Hmm. what he meant, that we weren't able to get into the television story. That was the main engine. The other one is more personal and selfish. And and I've said this in other places here, that it also represents a career regret. 
that in the unfolding of the story, which you've heard teased to this point that you've listened to, I have the opportunity. Willie was elsewhere on a shoot. I had the opportunity to encounter the man who killed him. And even though I thought I was prepared to do that, I blew that. And I've carried that with me, Beads. And it's it's echoed through these 14 years since. And in the latter stages, particularly the last two episodes, that encounter begins to take a, a part in the narrative as well as me describing why I thought I botched it. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. No, that's... Oh, okay. I'm going to finish it. I'm finishing it. Well, no, I can't finish it because six parts are out, right? Correct. Six, of the six eight? parts okay. are out now. And the seven and eight, seven, the penultimate, and then the finale are out Monday. And listen, so is we, this... Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to ask you because now you're at Fox. Like, are you going to do a bunch... I mean, because I feel like this is... This is what you were born to do. I mean, this is the perfect thing. I want to hear you tell all these stories. You know, we're so excited about the opportunity to to continue to tell stories like this again in an episodic, serialized way. I'm with you, Beads, in that for me, I was not a a great podcast consumer until the (laughs) pandemic. And with the pandemic, I began to listen to episodic storytelling. I started, to me, at the highest possible note in the space. The first one I ever listened to was S-Town. I don't know if you've ever listened to <laughs> yes, it. Yes, I yeah. listened to that one. <laughs> right. So I think a lot yep. of people uh, view it as sort of the shape-shifting, transcendent example of what the space could be. A lot of, For a lot of people, that's serial. I understand that. For me, it's S-Town. Oh, right. And so I've now listened to many, many examples of, and and I'm amazed at the quality of the storytelling in the space. But Mm -hmm. also, just to take, just for one example, Michelle, you're not here yet, but I'll I'll give you a little tease and, you know, the people who will watch this and hopefully be be led to listen. In a TV feature, you can only explore a given moment for so long, if you can explore Mm -hmm. it at all. You know this because of the confines and the limitations of the space you get in the real estate. So when Lyman's wife, Yuvine, who's the emotional center of the podcast, she is at about to begin a Bible study with other players' wives when the phone rings in her house back in Los Angeles. And her taking you through those moments, going to LAX, Hearing the name called on the PA, having Lyman's uh, wife's, uh, sorry, Lyman's mom, Annie Pearl, with her to make this flight back to Chicago, to those moments and trying to create in a respectful but immersive and compelling way that listening experience that engages you in a way, perhaps, that a viewer is not engaged. The visuals are provided for the viewer in this instance. Now you're listening to Yuvine, this incredible woman, share this moment, and you're engaged in a totally different way. You're with her through the sounds. You're imagining, where would I be? What terminal? What's the flight like? Continental Airlines, which doesn't exist mm. anymore. The right. low hum of the jets, the, the, the overnight flight, the all of that. And I think that detail is what through the chorus of voices, the mix of score. It's Steve Porter who did an 
unbelievable job oh, with yeah. our sound design. Just a <laughs> wonder, can't talk enough about him and, and the job that your cohort Gabe did and Scott Turkin <laughs> at Blue at uh, Blue Duck. But ultimately, you want people to engage in it and feel like they're being carried along on a story that they're visualizing and hopefully really connecting with. I love that. I think why it, se it seems more powerful to me sometimes more than the television version of storytelling is because when we listen to someone tell us this type of moment in their lives, most of us can relate. So rather than having the pictures and an assignment of what it's supposed to look like, now you're going through everything. So I, to me, it's I just I love consuming this. Um, very well done. I'm, I'm excited for the end of this. We've also had the opportunity to to delve into different parts of Wesley's life for people who we hope will begin to listen. And I think, I'll be curious as to what you think, Beads, there is like a stunning relevance to now. From 1968, when he <laughs> arrives on campus as a freshman and gets instantly swept up in protest, fighting for inclusion, fighting for equality, fighting to have a voice as an athlete and a person of color – in a campus which is in the midst of incredible unrest and tumult, anyone who's lived through the first years of 2020 can right. certainly relate to 1968. By the way, how tragically sad that we are so easily able to relate. Like you would think by now, decades later, that we'd be able to talk about these sort of themes with a little more of a nostalgia rather than, yeah, though that was yesterday. Uh, it's <laughs> very weird telling moment in history but uh, are you gonna, I'm gonna switch gears for a second because i want to know if you have any of this in the plans f1 content when is it coming well unfortunately yeah. <laughs> you know i think box to box and what they've done that that's the production company that uh created drive oh. to survive and has done something previously i don't know about you michelle i would have thought was impossible oh, yeah. and that's through the storytelling and through access and yeah. through storytelling absolutely change fundamentally not only the perception but the popularity and oh. consumption of a sport that's what drive to survive has done this this is the series guys for anyone who doesn't know i'm sure if you listen to the show you do know um, <laughs> on, on netflix that i would just say if you watch the opening tease of episode one season one when by the time the title card gets there which is about two and a half to three minutes in you're glued i mean yeah, you're glued it's it, it was perfectly done it, i um you know, I, I watch things and I have a tendency to get excited. So maybe it lessens the value when I try to tell friends about something. But in this particular case, I mean, it was, again, it was one of those moments where both my mother and my brother were like, we've been telling you for 20 years to watch F1. And I was like, no. And now all of a sudden I'm, I, I'm just one of these newbie Americans. But what I've loved about the sport specifically is that I have been to events, you know, whether it be horse racing or something like that, where they're niche sports for the most part, and they are not welcoming to newcomers. They are very much like, please stay away. We don't want you. And F1 has just, look, this, they have existed for quite some time. They have legendary stories, legends who have taken part. 
And we are just now sort of arriving at the party and they are all for it. And yes, I know money, blah, blah, blah. But you could say that about anybody who sort of ostracizes the newbies and they haven't. It has been such a fun to learn something new every day about a sport. You know, when you've been talking about sports for a while, did not think we'd get here. And we're I also, here and I love it. I also think there's there's sort of two elements that are so deeply compelling, undeniably so. One, and this is what F, this is what Drive to Survive pushed initially because of the clarity of the, the two lead producers who are brilliant at box to box, what they mm. understood. Uh, to me, nothing's more compelling than this, Beads, the line between living and dying, period. Mm. And the sport is about that line. Every time you compete in the sport, you can die. That's the stake. Every single time, all the safety measures, all of it, and obviously you see what happens. We won't give anything away in case people haven't seen uh, season one. There is an, a spectacular, terrible, terrible crash, and you're taken through what that's like for the team involved, for the other teams that witness it and are competing through the gauntlet when it when it occurs. That's one. Two. Mm-hmm. This, I think, is fascinating. I don't know if this is European. I don't know if this is American. I don't know if this is is a part of having to live with the notion that you could die. But the candor beads (laughs) with which people talk smack about others. When we hear smack talked generally, it's either to the point in the combat sports where it feels like, okay, part and parcel and package of yeah. the marketing. Here, it, it, it doesn't really feel, whether it is or not, like marketing. It feels like like whether it's Horner and Toto, these are two oh, team principals who have a fascinating dynamic, a competitive dynamic. But and, and again, that the whole notion that you know, this is sort of Toto is Alabama, right? And 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 Horner is Clemson, and however you want to draw the comparison. It's so hard for me to put them in either one of those positions. Right. It's like one's this German dapper man, and the other one's this British snarky married to a Spice Girl. I mean, they're just it's it's scripted almost. It's it's too perfect. On on top of the candor, what I also love is there's a cutthroat to it, oh. and it's relevant right now because we're seeing it happen with. Um, driver switching teams the the knowledge that you're being replaced except that you have to finish the season <laughs> with your respect to me it's just such an awkwardness that i i relish i love everything about it and and it happens every season so it's just a good it's a great sport it, and, then, and gabe you, you need to talk him into it because he's he's fighting it i've told i've told i'm, I'm like you right i'm i'm one of the <laughs> i'm i'm one of the apostles that's out there i'm i'm proselytizing i'm trying to tell people and even if you have you think you have no interest in it 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 is proof of the power of a story well told not and, and believe me they make it look easy beads right here they are there oh, yeah. they are getting incredible content but how they shape it how they parcel it out, how they determine how much of the, the portion of the season, what's the focus of this particular episode, which dynamic are we going to amplify or minimize? It, I just think it is an absolute object lesson in how to tell stories. It's, um, I, was, I was in Hungary this past weekend. I'm doing some stuff with Amazon coming up with F1, which 
I just feel that's like I great. It. That's great. Oh no, I, I manifest. I yeah. Here's my Hungarian water that I brought back on the plane. Uh, so it's I it, and our producer for Amazon had a friend that's doing one of the camera guys for Drive to Survive. I mean, we consume television, and 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 you and I probably acknowledge it more than most because we work in TV. But the amount of work this cameraman it is about twenty hours a day. Every day they have like a couple days, maybe off a week, but sometimes they're having to go with the drivers to where, especially now that the summer break, it is mind blowing. And the access has been so good, but the amount of work and footage that is shot for each driver, it's not just like it's about two or three guys. It's everybody. It's, it's remarkable and impressive. And, and three points here. Imagine the following, e even if you just sketch it the most broadly, it's a 10 team league. That's it. It's two yeah. drivers per team. That's it. It's 20 people in the world that get to do this. Any wreck is a million dollar plus expenditure. The, the competition between the teammates on the same team, having to subjugate a possible win or podium finish to help someone else get to that spot that you're devoting everything professionally <laughs> to get to yourself. There's that. Then there's the notion that, wait a second, in whatever the most elite league is in the world, there aren't only 20. No. no. There aren't only 10 teams. It's insane. And the competition that comes with that, the interpersonal dynamics that come with that, the backstories of the drivers that come with that, the, some of the things they've captured, right? Beads with, with a team mm. owner who really legitimately believes that his, the cars are supposed to be the same on a team feeling like, well, my son's car is inferior to the other son. And if right. you don't switch their cars, I'm pulling all your funding. Ooh. And to hear yeah. that conversation, it's incredible. It's so simple and beautiful. It's just it's international flair. The men sort of weave in and out of the different languages. They all speak. I, I just, there's everything to love about it. And now Lewis Hamilton is delving into our world and the yep. NFL and part... It's yeah, I think he's I wonder because for me, he's obviously the the easy one to sort of anoint. He's the face of it. He's been the, the all time champion, um, but we haven't embraced them as much, although we are now. So I wonder what's next for him as he sort of goes on the backside of his racing career. But now he's in the NFL. I, I don't know. I, I guess the sky's the limit, but I have no idea what's next for Lewis Hamilton. But I'm kind of excited to see him. Not, I don't root for him necessarily on the track, but I find myself more and more kind of pulling for him on other things, which is weird to say out loud, Tom. He's as Ugh. dominant, he's as dominant <laughs> or more so, right, than anyone in any sport in history. He's yep. that dominant. And one of the fascinating things, again, for people who haven't watched, he is marginal in season one. Yeah. Because Mercedes, who he drives for, did not really want to participate. And then- yeah, smart. Season one came out and they were like, wow, did we miss the boat? And then season That's two, right. there's a lot of access with him. Yeah. And throughout. Yeah. You can't even be mad at them because they didn't know. None of us knew. They couldn't have. And so then they, they realized fast. I know we got to get to a break, but I, there's so much NFL. I just want to ask. I, to me, it's probably the most important question um, with everything that's been breaking this week. But Dan Campbell, is he really drinking two Ventis and double espresso shots every day? Is that happening? <laughs> I is that real? That. I will say this, if you're around Dan Campbell or you spend any time on a call with him in a production meeting, 
he is compelling. <laughs> he is a presence, Beads. He is. That's God. not that's who he is. And and listen, I applaud the authenticity of that. I've been around as you have, we've been around the NBA, we've been around college and NFL, we've been around the the if you will, the the panoply of sport. But <laughs> when you when you see someone who is his authentic self, it I think it resonates. And that's him. I mean, I love it. I, just his quotes on radio. I don't even need context. I just like the words. <laughs> it doesn't matter what he's talking about with a heart rate of 300. All right, we're taking a quick break because Gabe's coming back. We could just mock him or he could do some work. I have no idea. We'll be back. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Gabe, you're literally the only person left that's not into F1 on the planet. Yeah. Don't, don't drag me. Third world countries are figuring it out. Don't, like they're figuring out how to get to their TVs. This. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude. I'm um, telling you. All right. So should I give you some headlines you might have missed? Tom yeah, is a, Tom is a, much more plugged into the news, so I can't imagine he missed any of Obviously. this. Obviously, you're the one. You've been on 17 flights back from Hungary. You probably <laughs> need all kinds of information. You've missed it all. A lot of Xanax. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. <laughs> all right, uh, Tom, you'll just you'll pick this segment up pretty quick. Here goes. Uh, Tiger Woods reportedly turned down between 700 and 800 <laughs> million dollars to play with the Live. Beetle, uh, does this make you a little bit bigger fan of Tiger? For now. For now, but what if there is a what if there is a price? What if it's coming? <laughs> I don't want to get too excited yet. Hundred million. I don't. Yeah, I, there's any, there's always higher, and they have bottomless pits of money. So yeah, I, I'm I'm proud of him. I mean, look, it's it's all relative, obviously, but eight hundred million dollars. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's a principal questioning moment right there, Tom. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think there's any. Uh, that's sort of long been part of a of a whisper circuit that it was in ex I mean, in excess of seven hundred the 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 figure I think Gabe and I might have even touched on it at one point in a conversation the figure largely out there Michelle for a while was that three quarter number right that seven fifty number so between seven and eight um, and it, I thought it was interesting to see at the Open Championship with Tiger you know he he made no effort whatsoever. He, he was asked, well, what about the figure? What about the figure? He didn't even come close to going there. He instead just defended the PGA Tour. 
But one or two sentences from Tiger in any way that's critical of any institution connected to golf is still going to be, along with Jack, the largest, heaviest voice that you can hear. And, you know, listen, there I don't know how much love lost there is between Greg and Jack, but remember, <laughs> you go back in time, the figure floated out for Jack yeah. was between 50 and 100 for Jack to give his blessing. And who knows what they would have asked of him, but he also said, pass. Yeah, I love it. Oh, ow. It kind of makes Tiger, I mean, it just, look, it's hard. It's, it's easy to say you have principles and you stand up for something, but very few of us will ever face sums of money that are like this. And then you have to say no to. So yeah, it's, it's a good moment. It's a great moment, actually. I'm proud of him. <laughs> just don't screw it up. All right, here's, here's another guy who can uh, call his shots and pick and choose whatever he wants to do. Peyton Manning is going to co-host the Country Music Awards with Luke Bryan. <laughs> so here's my question to you, Tom. Should Eli and Cooper do a simulcast while Peyton is hosting the main event? Should there be like another Manning cast to the side of the Peyton hosting job? Uh, that's a brilliant. Is that your idea? Uh, is that your idea? Is that your up, idea? I came up with that while you guys were talking about F1 or whatever you were saying. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yes. That's a great idea. All right, you need to take that off this platform and go into the marketplace. Yeah, okay. tell them. All right. Well, let, when let's are these get, awards? If soon. Tom is an executive producer. Beetle, you could be, you know, maybe you could be a part of the broadcast. I'll get water. Way. No, I'll just bring people water. Okay. They're going to get thirsty. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Got, well, let's I see if my we role. can make that happen. Love the idea. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We talked about Kyler Murray's independent study clause that the Cardinals have since removed from the contract after some backlash, <laughs> right? So apparently some internet sleuths, I think some of the guys over at Pardon My Take, uh, picked up on the fact <laughs> that after Call of Duty, the new title of Call of Duty comes out every season, which is usually in October, there's a pretty significant dip in Kyler's statistics now. The independent study clause seemed to be about having him focus on game tape and not playing video games. So I wonder, does this feel like it really could have been on people's minds that they knew Kyler was just playing too much Call of Duty every October and November? Beetle, seem plausible? Well, what's what's hard for me to wrap my brain around is that the, the men necessarily in these rooms when these things are drawn up, they wouldn't know about this. No. Somebody young had to bring their attention to this, like a child or, you know, whoever, which is makes that person a narc, number one. Oh. And we don't like that. But that being said, that is a fascinating little nugget of information. And um, yeah, I, it looks like this is exactly why they included the study clause. That's well, a heck of a drop. <laughs> like, and it's been it's been a well-established trend here. And in particular, under this head coach as well, going back to college that mm -hmm. his teams have gotten out of the gate fast, but midpoint or a bit later, they've struggled. Obviously, you can you can look through at injury history and things that have contributed, uh, just the natural cadence of the schedule and how it's gotten more difficult in the back half. All those things have conspired. Uh, who am I to say, I've never played Call of Duty. <laughs> no. mm -hmm. So I, I can't speak to how compelling it is. Apparently, he's not watching F1. If, if it were no. a Beatle clause, it would have to be <laughs> stop watching, drive to survive on a loop. Yeah, Yeah, do it. By the way, you don't want to make a Cliff Kingsbury joke here, Gabe, being not a good finisher or something like that. I figured you were 
you're holding one no, back. No, no. I actually think this is good for Cliff because up until okay. now, Kyler's second half stumbles were blamed on his game management or, or play calling. Ooh. And now he can say very simply like, hey, guys, no call of duty and they're a playoff team. Problem solved. All right. Boom. Done. Easy. All right, guys, a couple more things you might have missed. Beetle, you're not a big baseball fan, so you might not be aware that mm. it was a massive trade deadline. A lot of big names moving. Soto going I'm across, not an uh, ass. Well, okay. Hey, God. listen, I don't know. Again, you're <laughs> traveling all week. I'm here to okay, help go. you. Uh, but the Thanks. bigger news in baseball, at least to some of us, is that DeGrom is back for the Mets. So the Mets are already having one of the best seasons in their franchise's history. Their big trade move was getting their ace back right on time. He pitched pretty well. He didn't win, but he pitched well in his return. So, Tom... I know, as a, a friend and colleague, that you cannot, quote-unquote, root for anyone. You're a journalist. Uh, you may get thrown at some postseason coverage. Who knows? I'm not sure the plans at Fox. But are, are there any cities you're hoping to visit in October? Listen, uh, lifelong Met fan, I think okay. you can be a fan and still cover, you know, obviously fandom is wrapped in childhood and all those things, what you inherit from, in my case, my brother, uh, love the Mets. Our son has inherited that love of the Mets, follows <laughs> them fervently, our son, Jack. So yeah, what I'd love to see the Mets make a postseason run here. I think they've got a great roster. I think they're really likable as a group as well, which is important to me. I think they have the best closer in the game. I, I could, you know, I think Alonzo is really likable. I could go on and on. But I'm going to sound very much like a fan here when I say there's memory and scar tissue and you're never certain until a team <laughs> is able to actually get in the dance and then start making the right steps. Uh, having said that, I will say in Beetle, have you did have you been to an all-star game? Have you been around or been to a home run derby or been on the field no, lately? I have not not in person. I've not been, no. Uh, I'll just say I mean this. I watched it. Right. We we see the strength and size <laughs> of baseball players is stunning when you're on the field or you watch BP and they're not necessarily in the full uniform kit yet. And I, I've been amazed. And listen, I mean, Giancarlo is, is a, you know, Giancarlo Stanton is a freak in, in, in terms of his physique. But there's so many guys that are so <laughs> jacked. And, and, and I am a baseball fan. I watch baseball. But I was kind of blown away by that. It, like I, I used for me, to be it was... with the NBA. It was here from here to here on Alonzo. That was it's like the quintessential baseball arm. I was like the forearms. It was just it very like a cartoon drawn to play baseball. That's I remember thinking that during the home run stuff. I was like, that looks like a baseball dude. <laughs> He's built like one, which is odd, Gabe. Gabe, you're a Mets fan too. I don't know why you just pretend like that wasn't all for you. Or well, you know, a Dodgers I, fan. I now. stopped being a Mets fan around the time I stopped being a Jets yeah. fan uh, when I moved. But we're to back, LA. baby. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm. We're back in the Jets. Okay. I think maybe Flacco, <laughs> elite. I'm not sure. I can't tell what to do with the Mets. I might jump on the bandwagon in uh, in October. But good news wow. in September. Taco Bell is bringing back the Mexican pizza permanently. Both of your jobs require you travel quite a bit, which means I suspect you have to eat a little bit of fast food. So I'd like Oof. you to tell us your go-to fast food when on the road. Oh, God. Beetle. Oh, Ronaldo. No, I don't know. Ronaldo, you go for I'm like trying to think. Well, okay, wait. I'll say this. I don't have a chain. Like there's not a fast food go-to I have. 
What I do enjoy, and I like being in cities that offer it, street foods of some kind. Whether it be a meat product, a pretzel of some sort, I'm a big fan. I had pretzels in Hungary. I just grabbed them off the street. That makes it sound weird. I bought them from a person selling them. But I, they were delicious. So I, I think if that counts, I would go with street food for 100, please. <laughs> I would say, Gabe, there's no really great and substantial differentiation between fast food and food for me. I have perhaps <laughs> the worst diet in North America. We have shared a meal. Uh, I did not, I tried to show my best self to you because oh, I, I didn't want you to be embarrassed on my behalf. Um, but I have a horrendous diet. So answering what? that question would just fully indict most of what I eat. Oh, I love this. So now, yeah. All right. All so right. I just said all the food. That's, I know that's all of the foods are good. <laughs> perfect. There's, by the way, there's a job posting out there right now. Uh, there's a candy company that is looking for a full-time candy tester. Oh, wow. Uh, they're paying a, a pretty good salary for a year-round full-time candy tester. <gasps> I saw this. It's a hundred grand. Yeah. The salary. I mean, it's a very, good, a very good living for someone to just eat candy all day long. I'm not against it. Well, it depends on the candy, but yeah. Don't oh, wait, no, I'm going to ask you this one, Gabe. Let me ask you. I'm going to do the last one. Oh. Today is Tom Brady's 45th birthday. What should we get him, Gabe? <laughs> You're stealing my question. <laughs> I wanted to ask yeah, you guys because that. You, no way, dude. You're the one that loves him. <laughs> what are you going to get him? I mean, now, yeah, you have to. I can't answer this question. I, uh, oh. I, would, I, I think he has everything he needs. He seems like he has a perfect life. I don't need to wow. send him anything. I wish him nothing but the best. There, there's obviously a subtext here that I'm not entirely privy to, and I'm not going to get involved. Just see previous about the Jets, Tom. That's this the is your thing. Here. This is y'all's thing here. I'm staying out. Previously yes. about the avocado tequila. I, yeah, you're right. What? There's nothing to buy. Tom Brady's the kind of guy that you make a card for, and we laugh about how bad the card is because you can't buy him anything. How lame. Poof. Plus he's got $300 million coming. We, we need you to help us settle a debate that's been running on this show for quite a while now. Um, and since you all spent some time talking about F1, but which you love, but you've also spent a lot of time covering the top golfers in the world. I need an, a serious answer here. <laughs> Who are better athletes? We're going with your answer. Who are better athletes, F1 drivers or professional golfers? Why would we? as we work so hard to move away from broad brush stereotyping in this society, <laughs> why would we denigrate a conversation that's been so good, so reflective and thoughtful, so fulfilling by throwing out these tropes? I will not, sir, partake in this kind of absolute denigration. I won't do it. Yeah, Gabe. All right. Jackass. <laughs> But so drivers. Like okay, cool. I heard it too. I heard it too. <laughs> sounds like what you mean to say is you think golfers are better athletes. No, no chance. No chance. <laughs> I did not say that. That's even worse. That's even worse. Oh, sue him. Sue him. Um, Tom, yeah, thanks right. so much. Uh, thanks, Tom. It was really nice having you here. <laughs> thanks so much, guys. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back. <laughs> or whatever it is. And we have one debate to settle. Once and for all. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So Tom did not want to answer that question, and I know what he meant, though. I think we all did. Uh, He's the best. But we also have one more thing we have to settle, Gabe, because we've talked about time zones. I mocked time zones last week and then screwed them up like a day later, so time zones are my enemy. But we did get a listener response. So Tiffany in Nebraska again. I don't know why I said it like that. Gasp. I would argue that mountain time, because we did poop on mountain time, is the best time zone to be in as a sports fan. Yes, no major network will ever start the MST start time, and you'll have to do math, but night games starting at 8 p.m. Eastern start at 6 Mountain Time. No leaving work early if your team is playing, but also not having to stay up past 1 a.m. to see an end. And college football starts at 10 a.m. on Saturdays, so time to sleep in, but also not have to wait half the day to get started. I would love to offer my services as a science math consultant, Tiffany in Nebraska. First of all, I stand by my sentiments about mountain time. Okay, what is it? What does it even mean? But we went down a rabbit hole because of you, Tiffany, where I had to figure out where the county line divisions were in the entire state of Nebraska. Because wait for it, Gabe. Western Nebraska is in the mountain time zone. Eastern Nebraska is central time zone. They're cut down not even halfway through the state. I would say two thirds. And there are a couple counties, I believe, that are halfway. So you could be in like a city and have like a dentist appointment on this side of the line at four. But now is that three? I don't know, because the math is weird. So that that Tiffany just blew up my mind today. Thank you. Okay, Tiffany, that, that's Nebraska. blowing up my mind. And just for the record, I thought <laughs> Nebraska was like the flattest place in the country. So wait, what is oh you're 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 literally saying mountains. I, I mean I okay, kind I of you're doing. yeah and, and I maybe I'm misremembering the conversation or I thought what we were arguing was that mountain time just in general sucks because the math. Yes. I don't remember yes. taking the argument where she did. This is a very good point by Tiffany. Like those time, that is an ideal time to watch each of those sports. She's I, right. I can't argue with that. She is right. And oh, that's, that's a real dog barking. Hello. Um, she is right. It's just none of us have ever considered mountain time ever in conversation. I no. selfishly, because I live in central, but I really only refer to Pacific and Eastern still. And it should be Western, not Pacific. It's, it's all stupid. That's all I got for you, babe. That's all I got for you. You know, what I think about when she, you described <laughs> the, the mountain time zone and, and half of Nebraska to be invited and, you know, the Rocky Mountains, I just think of the scene in Dumb and Dumber <laughs> when they've been driving all night in the wrong direction and they wake up and he just yes. says, man, that, that John Denver's full of shit. <laughs> I figure that's right about where Tiffany lives. That's exactly where Tiffany lives. Let us know, Tiffany. Everybody let us know. Tweet, text. I'm not even going to try to do the phone number again because I screwed it up. So go back and watch another episode or Jerome will put a graphic up. But I'm at 631 something.
That's going to do it for us. Yeah, <laughs> Gabe's just, in just London. After I'm that. in Texas. Yeah. There's some sevens and some threes and some zeros. That's all I got. You'll figure it out. Uh, we will see you guys uh, next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.